0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian
1: gets the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass caught, Wandao, first down, hits on the 20, 15, shoots defender, 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska, Dale Robinson's first touchdown as a Cornhusker.
0: Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your host, Ben McLaughlin and Nate Warren.
2: So I had like a plan of how I wanted to start the the show tonight, but that has just completely evaporated in the last 30 seconds. Um, (laughs) Wow. Uh, Welcome to the show tonight. Uh, We've got a lot to get to as always, but... We're going to take the show in a different direction right out of the shoot. Um, As I said, there were some couple of things that we needed to get to and talk about here in this first segment. But Nate Rohr, um, our own Lane Grindle has gone viral. um, Oh, (laughs) wow. The tweet that he put out Um, a couple days ago. It now has 2.6 thousand likes, 574 retweets. And and as of 30 seconds ago, uh, one of our staff members sent me a screenshot of this tweet that is on CNN. And Whoa. apparently he's being interviewed by the Washington Post right now. Uh, so the tweet says, what if we all put up our Christmas lights and then we get in the car and drive around and look at them? That seems like a fair social distancing activity. This is the most Lane Grindle tweet I've ever seen. And uh, <laughs> he's famous now. Like, this is crazy. This is truly we're starving for uh, for things to do and apparently CNN is as well, and uh, has accessed Lane Grindel's Twitter page to do so. How about that?
3: Yeah, if sitting at the right hand of the euchre is not enough, Lane Grindel gets the privilege of going viral nationally, at least for a while, as we try to find a way to deal with this horrendous uh, virus situation. And uh, I mean, I was, it's a good excuse to get outside. The weather's probably going to be more pleasant although uh, I understand you know some severe weather has rolled through Nebraska today so I don't know if I'd want to be out there on a ladder today but it's probably a little more hospitable right now than as opposed to you know late November early December when most of us are out there shivering and trying to staple the lights to to the gutters so Lane Grindle just trying to spread joy through the hearts of a, a, a harried and worried nation that's all he he
2: does that just it just it literally makes me laugh like that is a, that is the greatest thing to happen to me today to uh to see that? How's your bracket holding up, Nate? I haven't lost a game yet.
3: I haven't gotten one wrong either. I, you know, <laughs> this is this is my best first day in years, let me tell you.
2: This is the most frustrating day for me, uh, because it, we should be sitting watching games right now, we should be talking mm-hmm. about upsets. We should be talking about how two of our final four teams are already gone. <laughs> instead, uh, instead, we don't have that, which is truly disappointing. But to make up for that, here joining us here in just a little bit, one of the heroes of March Madness from back in 2010, former Husker assistant coach Ali Farouk Manesh, currently an assistant at Colorado State, single-handedly buried the number one overall seed Kansas Jayhawks with the infamous three-pointer from the right wing. Back in 2010, Ali is just a tremendous guy. Um, Liked him a lot. Got to spend some time with him when he was in here in Lincoln. So he's going to join us here in this first hour. And uh, can't wait to talk with him and catch up with him. Also coming up this hour, conversation with the Cooks. You've all heard about it. And now, for those that have never heard it, you can hear part of it here on Sports Nightly here this evening. Lauren Cook, John Cook, sit down and... You know, you can listen in to what these conversations are like. We have a nice tease queued up. The newest edition was was announced today. So wherever you listen to podcasts, feel free to pull that up. You get a snippet of it here on Sports Nightly tonight and also uh, an opportunity for you to go find that podcast and all of the ones that they have done and, uh, and binge listen with them with all the time on your hands. Coming up in hour number two, Teddy Greenstein from the Chicago Tribune will stop by in his weekly slot. To me, it's interesting to find out how have – other professionals, riding professionals, and, of course, different markets. We're in a much different market than Teddy is in Chicago with the Blackhawks, the White Sox, the Cubs, the Bears, the Bulls. Major sports market in Chicago. How are the people in Chi-Town handling this quarantine, this this time? Uh, so a unique perspective from Teddy. We've got 7-on-7 seven seven making a return tonight. Nate, we got to stay in shape somehow so the boys have – have issued 7-on-7. This is going to be a new staple on Thursday nights. We mentioned we got a lot of new stuff coming your way on Sports Nightly over the next foreseeable future, I suppose. 7-on-7 is back on Thursdays in this time slot. So get excited for that. I know the boys have been working hard to keep us in shape there. And a brand-new segment to finish out our week of Sports Nightly. Sports Nightly Blix Picks. Get excited about that. So what are we watching? What will we watch? What do we suggest you watch? What do we suggest you not waste your time on? All of it coming your way before we say goodnight tonight. Can't wait to debut that. That will finish out our tremendous week of Sports Nightly here tonight. Of course, we still have one more show, so what's on tap for tomorrow? Cannot wait to do this tomorrow. Greatest Games is back, but bigger and better than ever. So tomorrow, for those that listen on the radio to Sports Nightly, you've heard greatest games before. 2004 Miami, that will be the game you hear tomorrow. If you want a more interactive style, join us on Facebook. Find us on Facebook and be able to listen to that broadcast with some that played in that game. Yes, Jeremiah Searles will host the show. He was not on that team that year, but Talk to Kenny Bell. Talk to Amir Abdullah. Talk to former Captain Josh Mitchell. They'll all be there to chat with you on Facebook tomorrow while you listen to that game. So make sure you check that out tomorrow. Chance to introduce yourself, get to know, talk, get inside the mind of all these former Huskers. It's going to be awesome. That's tomorrow night on Sports Nightly. So saving the best for last here on the week of the show. So that's what's on tap here tonight. Switching gears now. Welcome on the first guest of the program, Ali Farokmanesh, former Husker assid- assistant coach, current assistant coach at Colorado State. Ali, been a long time, man. Thanks so much for jumping on with us. Hope everybody's doing well. Good to hear from you, man. Thanks for joining us tonight.
4: Yeah, thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me on. No, it's, it's I'm doing well. Um, besides, cooped up in the house, but it's uh, it's it's good for some family time too. But we're doing well.
2: No doubt. And I know for you coaches, you know it can be it's a grind during the season and. Um, you know, this is pro- this is probably a little strange for you being at home this much and spending spending time with your wife and your and your son. This is probably just it's crazy time for you with with so much time on your hands.
4: No, absolutely. You know, we don't. With as basketball coaches, we basically get that that final four week. We get a little time with our family, and then um, recruiting again. Um, and then May, you get a little bit more time, like a week again, and then you got the guys back on campus by June. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm expecting maybe two weeks off possibly at a time. And right now I'm, I'm just sitting at home wondering what to do It's there's only so much you can do over the phone, but it's, uh, you got to make, make use of it. But I'm not gonna lie. It's, it's good for my family. It, it's awesome to be home with them. It's awesome to get to spend some time with them. And I'm partly think my wife might've created the coronavirus just so I have to stay home, but I'm not positive <laughs> on that.
2: Oh, that's fantastic. Well, um, Catch us up, man. I know you, you've been – you're at Nebraska. You, you obviously got the job at Colorado State, and, um, you know, we got close to your family, and, and your son is just as popular as you are with the gif that, that he was on. But, you know, you're at Colorado State. How have things been going with you and, and, and over there at, in uh, in Colorado and with Ram Nation?
4: Yeah, it's been going really well. Um, it, it's, it's, it's kind of funny just all the connections from being in Nebraska with Miles – um, just the, so many connections between Nebraska and, and Colorado State. And to be honest, a lot of Nebraska high school kids have had success at Colorado State. And I, I didn't know about it before I got here, but then everybody just always brings it up up to us that they've had Nebraska kids, have Nebraska kids here. So um, it's, it's been fun. And, and obviously, we're, we're starting to have some success. Uh, we struggled our first year here, but then um, we won eight more games, than we did the year before this year, and ended up with 20 wins. And we're a young team, so I'm looking forward to the future, whatever, whatever the future is for us, I guess. But um, hopefully down the line we'll, we'll have a good team next year.
2: No doubt about it. Well, typically this time, Ali, as I said, we're, we're watching our brackets, we're watching March Madness, and you're hopefully coaching in it. Unfortunately, that's not mm-hmm. the case this year. Um, just what, what's the feeling, you know, from from your standpoint, from your team standpoint, that that how this ended and and for you personally to just not have the tournament going right now
4: yeah i mean it, it, it's awful i mean i don't know if there's no other way to put it really it, it 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 does it stinks for these kids that had the opportunity to be going to the tournament or some of these other guys that were fighting to make the tournament and they're on the bubble um you know you work here not just this year not just the last four months of this season you work your whole career and since you were a little kid probably dreaming of these moments at least i did um, and to kind of have that taken from you and at nobody's fault at all, really. Um, I think that's the hardest thing to deal with is there's, you always want to put blame on something and you really can't. Cause I think everyone had to take the necessary measures to be in the situation we're in right now, but, um, it's, you, you feel for these kids and you feel for the seniors and honestly you feel for everybody because Yeah, the seniors, this was the last opportunity, but you even feel for those younger guys because you realize as your career moves on how hard it is to make any postseason tournament, much less the NCAA tournament. Um, And so you really feel for those guys that a lot of things have to go right to win at that level. Injuries, catch people on the right night. There's so many things that go into it.
3: You you mentioned feeling bad for everybody, not getting a chance to... Uh, feel an NCAA March Madness and go through it, of course, you probably know more acutely than anybody else how much fun and how important a March Madness run can be with what you were able to do in 2010 as a player with Northern Iowa. Of course, most people know what, what you did against Kansas with the uh, the three to beat the Jayhawks. But but take us back to then. What, what was northern iowa's mindset what was the mindset in that locker room as you guys went down there uh you were in oklahoma city you were the nine you had to play unlv first and needed another three from you uh to get past the rebels just to get to kansas take us back to when you were getting ready for your march madness experience
4: yeah. I mean, we, I, I was just excited. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the, you dream of it. You know, I think I, I was a little kid growing up pretending I was making game winning shots in the backyard and um, I got lucky enough that I was put in an opportunity to take some, take some of those shots in the tournament. But I, I just remember preparing the same way, um, just getting ready for it. We had talked about winning games in March, uh, my senior year because we went the year before and we lost in the first round, but we played, played well, lost by five, but this time around, we wanted to, to make some noise in the tournament. And so we had a little different approach in the sense to keep everything the same, but I think we had a, just a different level of focus. We were an older team, but we wanted to – our goal was to make some noise.
2: You Noise you did. Uh, that, that certainly was the case. What was the attitude early in that Kansas game? You come out, you know you're playing a giant, you're playing the number one seed, you're playing a team that's trying to win a national championship – What's the feeling, you know, before you take the floor and then as that game's going, you guys are hanging with them, you're right there, and then, you know, as a coach, you've, you've probably said to your players a bunch, Ali, you know, don't let these guys hang around. They're going to get confidence to beat you. That's probably what happened to you guys against KU. What was the feeling kind of before the game and as that game progressed about, you know, slaying the Giant?
4: Yeah, before the game when our coaches put on the, the film to watch and whatnot and study up on them, I was like, how the heck are we going to beat this team? Um, they looked like, I mean, it really was, but it looked like an NBA team compared to some of the other teams that we played that year. You know, you had, they had a lottery pick. They didn't even play in the game on their bench. So um, they were talented. They were big. We, you know, you're playing Kansas They're on TV constantly. So you're watching them all year almost just by default. Um, so you knew them pretty well already, but I mean, we, we really did just approach it kind of the same way we did every other game. Um, we knew we'd have to be on the attack early, and we jumped to a 10-2 lead right away. And I think that kind of eased us into the rest of the game after that. I think it's always easier as the underdog to kind of play, play with the lead than try to play catch up the whole game. Um, and we made the right plays early on, and then we, kind of just, then we kind of just stuck with it after that and just did what we had done all year, played at our pace, and took the shots that we normally take.
3: Chatting with Ali Farouk Manash here on Sports Nightly. Of course, he, the hero of the uh, 2010 U and I run through March Madness, and also spent some time on Tim Miles' staff at Nebraska before moving on as an assistant to Colorado State. Did it take much convincing for you guys to believe you could beat KU? I mean, that game was down in Oklahoma City. It had to feel like Allen Fieldhouse South. How much sort of talking yourselves into that game did. Did you guys in the locker room have to do?
4: Yeah, I don't. I don't know if we had to talk ourselves into it as much as we had to just. I mean, when we first saw the brackets come out, you know, you're sitting there watching, and your name comes across it, and can I think Kansas? They go Kansas first. The one seed in the region gets the first one up. So we're like, oh, Kansas is there. All right, we probably we probably won't be an eight nine seed right there, but our name <laughs> pops up right into Kansas, <laughs> and we're like. Oh, that's great. Like we're planning to make a run this year and we got to play the best team in the country in the second round. So I think you get a little deflated initially. And then I remember coach Jake kind of talking to us about it was an opportunity. And then from that moment on, never thought about it again. All we thought about was like, this is an opportunity. Like if if we want to make the run that we want to make, you're going to have to beat somebody good at some point. So I think it was all just the mindset after that moment. They really changed everything. And then we looked at it, it as like, hey, this, this is the next team up.
2: All right, Ali, let's let's dissect the play a little bit. And how much of this, you know, maybe maybe if, if you can, I, I can't imagine, you know, what, what your memory recollected in a crazy time like that. Um, but, you know, you think back to, you know, maybe what the conversations were like, you know, towards the end of the game in the huddle, what the coaches were really preaching to you guys as a team to focus on, and then you know, obviously, the the play kind of happened. You unfold, and you get the ball on the right wing. And how much of it? First, I guess the question is, how much of it do you actually remember and can process? And then, and then, if you can dissect, kind of how that moment happened and how it unfolded.
4: Yeah, we 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 had a lead uh, for most of the game, um, and then they they kept making some runs, and we made some plays. Uh, a, a few of our guys made some huge plays to. Just kind of keep them at bay. Uh, Adam Cook took one off the glass and dunked it. Um, another one of our guards, Johnny Moran, made a huge three when it was a three-point game to put it back to six. So it was kind of teetering for a while there. Um, and then they started. They put a heavy press on us, and we didn't see the other side. Of, we didn't see the offensive side of the court for probably two minutes straight almost. Um, and so they got it down to one. And I remember Coach Jake called a timeout, I believe, and then we were. We never stressed out and that was the I, I, watching the game, uh, before, like I haven't watched in a little while, but yeah, this morning, but no, um, <laughs> I haven't watched in a while. And the, the time I watched, it, I remember watching and being like, what were we doing? And how did we win this game? You know? And I, I remember thinking back to it, that coach Jake and the huddles was so calm and, and so collected with everything. Never wasn't freaking out. Wasn't getting mad. And I, I easily looking at it as a coach. Now I, can't imagine not getting, throwing, going crazy um, and he just gave us that confidence to, to know like all right hey relax like, we'll make the next play you can't dwell on the last one like let's make the next play right here and I remember going out of the timeout, he didn't even mention anything about what we were going to shoot or when to shoot it or what we wanted to do hold the ball um, we literally were only thinking about let's get the ball across half court and then then we'll see a half we'll see what happens at least if we get across <laughs> half court we'll be fine um, and then it kind of just worked out that I was up the floor. They were really trapping, going for steals, and we got an advantage. And Coach Jake always has the most confidence in us and kind of instilled that in us that I didn't hesitate at all. And I think if I would have hesitated and thought whether I should shoot this clock, blah, 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 I wouldn't have made it, but I already had it instilled in me from the whole two years I'd been there that, hey, if you're open, shoot it. I was open, so I shot it.
3: And you made it. I mean, it's just that simple. And and, <laughs>
4: and I was lucky enough to make it. Yeah, it,
3: you, you know, and you had been clutch earlier in the uh, in the first round against uh, UNLV as well. Once you hit that shot, I mean, at, do you do you remember what you did next? Do, when does the tape kind of start rolling again for you in your head as to what happened once that thing went through the net?
4: Um, it, it, as soon as it went through the net, honestly, like there was a, there was a level of excitement, but you can tell I was getting back on defense. I think that that was ingrained in me as much as just shoot open shots was get back on defense. So I, in transition, I was getting back and ready to guard. And then once my teammate, Jake Cook took the charge, um, that's when, that's when I got excited. That's when it like kind of the realization and, and the excitement in that moment all came out right after he took that charge. Cause once he took that, it was basically
2: over Ali I've been inside a few locker rooms after games I'm not I don't want to say of that magnitude because I don't I don't know that there are very many of that magnitude but we're just the the joy and the excitement after a huge win are just overcome and it's kind of indescribable but when that clock hit zero and you're back in that locker room celebrating your teammates what do you remember
5: um, well, I,
4: it's kind of funny, but we um, we actually all just sat down in the chairs and we we were celebrating. We got in there with the co- with the players, and then we all were like, all right, sit down, sit down, relax, relax," because Coach Jake was still out there doing an interview or something. And um, when he came in, we were all just sitting on our chairs, stoic, acting like nothing happened, like nothing. <laughs> and uh, he walks in and kind of stops and looks at all of us, and then we all get up and like we're throwing water everywhere. And just it was. You're right, though. That's, that's, those are the celebrations. Those are the feelings that you remember. Like, I, I remember the game to a certain extent. Now, I sound really old because it's 10 years ago now, but what I remember the most is just that feeling when Jake Cook took to the charge, the feeling when we're all hugging and celebrating at the end of the game and then the feelings in the locker room. Those are the ones that I remember more so than this play or that play. I, I remember those feelings of, of what, what it felt like when we won, when those plays were made, um, and then celebrating with my teammates.
3: Ali, how how often do you talk about that run? I mean, obviously you're talking about it now, and I'm sure in March it comes up once a day, twice a day, a few times a day. But, but how often does it come up, or even when you're out recruiting a kid now for Colorado State uh, and, and you introduce yourself to a club coach or a parent, how often do they link it right back to, oh, yeah, you're the guy that hit all of them shots for UNI 10 years ago?
4: Yeah, there's there's not too many leave for uh in college basketball, <laughs> so it's uh, it gets linked pretty quick. Um, but it, it, it's fun too. Like some of my some of my players or, or, or guys on our team or guys that I'm recruiting. They they have no idea right away. Um, they're just another coach. Um, but then after after like a week or so, or somebody else will bring it up to their AAU hey, coach or high school coach or somebody else will have to kind of initiate that um and then they'll send me a text and be like you tell me this (laughs) you know what i mean um so it's fun and i i love it when it it gets brought up just because it it brings back great memories obviously it's something i worked hard for my entire life and it brings back memories of my teammates and those games and and all those feelings kind of come rushing back for a little bit
2: Uh, Ali, i i am recalling a few times on on hoops road trips where uh, guys on the staff may, maybe the older guys uh, giving you a hard time about it Pat Norris I know loved ribbing you about it but uh, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure you still get I mean it, it's not something to tease you about but it's something to you know how much that thing actually blew up you probably didn't understand it you know at the time how big of a how big of a play in the history of the tournament that was but you know when when you get when you get you know maybe the older crowd that can have some fun with it too, you know, what's what's the typical comeback that you have for, you know, guys? And Pat Norris is the perfect example. Anybody that knows Pat Norris <laughs> and knows his personality, it's, it's just, what what's the comeback to people that kind of have a smart aleck remark for you or, you know, something that were to happen to say, oh, sorry, I didn't hit a NCAA tournament shot to beat Kansas?
4: <laughs> yeah, I get that quite a bit. I mean, Teddy Owens is probably the biggest culprit yeah, Teddy, of that. Teddy, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Pat's there too, but it's, I mean, it's all in good fun, you know, like I, I, it's, you gotta take, you gotta take the good with the bad too, you know, but it's, um, it, it's fun. And I, I got, I got a lot of good friends that make fun of me for stuff like that. And even my teammates still make fun of me. Like, why did you even shoot that shot? And then like one of my teammates actually was my roommate. Um, I never noticed this until someone else pointed it out to me, but in the UNLV game, I, I shot the three to put us up three and uh, he's my roommate, and he is crashing the glass so hard to get the offensive <laughs> rebound. And I'm like, you had no faith in me? Like, you had no faith that I was going in. Like, he like he was going as hard as I've seen all year to the offensive glass to get the tip in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Well, um, I'm sure it can get maybe a little exhausting at times talking about it, and it's it's just an awesome moment, man. I mean, even just as a ca- then a casual college basketball fan and – you know, it was it was weird having you at, come to Nebraska, too, you know, this infamous guy, and we immediately know knew who you were and got to know you, got to know your family, and it's just been – it was a lot of fun, you know, the time that you spent in Lincoln. Thanks so much for jumping on with us, man. Hopefully Mallory and Ty are doing well, and thanks so much for giving us a few minutes. wish you the best of luck uh, over there in Colorado at CSU. It was good talking with you, man. Thanks so much. Nah. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. We switch gears and talk some Husker volleyball conversation with the Cooks, a podcast put on by Lauren Cook West with her father, head volleyball coach John Cook, just released its newest episode today. Sneak peek of what you can hear in that podcast right now.
6: Throughout your coaching career, you've had a long coaching career. Is Have you ever dealt with anything similar to this?
7: The only thing that, I, and I told the team this at the beginning of the meeting, the only time I ever felt like this coaching and having to lead a program was when 9-11 happened. And I, I can remember that like it's yesterday, and I just remember we didn't know if we we're gonna play. We didn't know what was going on. Yeah, that was
6: in the fall. Yeah,
7: we, it was right in right in the beginning of the nine yeah. eleven. It was yeah right when we were getting ready right to open Big Twelve at that time, and we didn't know if we could travel. There was so many things. Some games got canceled. There was so many things up in the air. Nobody really wanted to practice because everybody was just in shock and zombies and just kind of like what the heck just happened. And that's the way it felt like now it's like everybody's just kind of like in this daze like okay what's going on how do i deal with this and you know what's the best thing to do and you know how much risk is there to travel and and so it's a complicated thing but i it's like i told him i said you you guys have to or have to become adults right now you have to make adult decisions on what you do we can't control it we're just telling you you know here's here's the situation here's the potential consequences and so plan a right now is april 6th if that doesn't work then plan B would be hopefully we can get everybody back here for pre-session, which would be middle of May.
6: So let me stop you. So when you say plan A is April 6th, are you hoping you can get all the girls back by April 6th, even though you can't practice? I mean, they'll just be here well, going to school? Yeah,
7: if they come back, we'll be able to practice. Oh,
6: you will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So So if that, if that falls through and they're not able to come back and you're not able to practice, then, then plan B then is? Then
7: plan B would be a, hopefully we get them here mid-May and have them here for the summer which I'm fine with, and I'm, I'm starting to think that might be more optimistic for that scenario than April 6th. And hopefully, and, you know, football is going under this assumption, again, if this whole thing resolves and, you know, we can make up the spring practices uh, in June possibly or July that we missed in the spring. And everybody's on a different schedule. And I know with football, some football teams are almost finished with their spring practices. Nebraska had two. Some volleyball teams were already playing matches. We had zero indoor practices. So that's going to be interesting. And this is opening up a whole new can of worms for so many situations.
6: Does that concern you having practices in June or July when you have preseason beginning in August and you're, you're, you know, you're going in June and July, having some practices when you normally don't practice at that time of year and and then you go into to preseason where you're having two-a-days in August?
7: No, I think it would be great. I think I think we should be allowed to practice in the summer. Basketball can. Both basketball programs, they do not played until November. We play two and I think soccer, too. They need to have longer training periods. Football, you know, starts a week before we do and plays a week after us. So I just think if you can get in the gym, you don't have to work. Maybe you don't go two-a-days and during – you don't feel like you have to go two-a-days in August and – space it out more to get them in better conditioning get your freshmen more ready to play i mean everybody in college volleyball plays freshmen you know just because of the numbers so it, you'd be a chance to get those guys ready to play a little bit better so no i'd be all for it
6: so did you send the girls home with a workout plan or any volleyball drills that they can do just to keep them in shape and, and keep them in tune with their skills
7: yeah that's a great question well first of all most gyms are closed right? So they can't. There's nowhere they're gonna. They can go. So Brian came up with a program. Brian committed our strength coach. It's an outdoor program. It's running, jumping, and some body weight stuff. So they could just do like burpees, things like that. So they could do it outside somewhere. So I I think that's the way to go. And like I said, if we, if worst case, we can get them back here by mid-May. I know that gives us 10 weeks to get ready for the season
2: sneak peek conversation with the cooks wherever you listen to your podcast give that a search you can find all kinds of stuff on there husker sports network Originals, sports nightly recaps and yes conversation with the cooks thanks to lauren cook west john cook for providing that with us here tonight it is newly released as of today
0: let's go there now talk to our man from chicago he's originally from new york but now calls the second city his home prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call his choice in pizza is still up for debate but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting here's the worldly teddy greenstein of the chicago tribune
2: it is time to talk to our good friend mr teddy greenstein from the chicago tribune all right mr greenstein the, the the most bizarre or unusual activity you've done this last week is what
5: well, bizarre! You keep calling me Mister Greenstein. Did I get become like sixty five years old because of this coronavirus or something? It, it's, so it's
2: just a sign. It's just a sign of respect. <laughs> I mean, we're, there's, there's no ageism happening here.
5: <laughs> well, I would say this, man. I was there in Indy the last Wednesday night. Did did we already go through this? Did we? Uh, we maybe we did. Did did we talk about this?
2: A, you talked about a, lot, a little bit about it with Greg, but I was not present for the conversation. Okay, so, I mean so that is.
5: That was certainly the strangest corona-related thing um, in my life. You know, tomorrow's going to be a little strange. They're having me uh, guest co-host on one of the two all-sports stations out here, the one called The Score. So um, it's in a building downtown where somebody did test positive for the coronavirus. Uh, So, you know, I had to kind of tell my wife, tell her about a few precautions that the station is taking probably some of the same ones you are like that station is no longer doing what they call transitions where they you know used to have all four people in the studio at the same time the two from the previous show and the two from the current show and it's gonna be weird man i mean one of the strange things about chicago is actually the other day it was beautiful here so i went up to a, a country club where they have paddle tennis we figured paddle tennis and outdoor activity was pretty safe it usually takes an hour uh in this case it took about 30 minutes yeah. So, uh, there's less traffic. Um, I'm waking up every day at like 8 15 or 8 30. It's back to the wake up times of like, as if I didn't have kids, <laughs> even though my daughters are 11 and eight and, you know, we're doing the homeschooling thing, trying to survive with that. So, uh, just the weirdest time. And I keep telling my kids you're alive for the weirdest time in the history of America. I don't, I don't know what it was like during the Salem witch trials, but I bet this is stranger.
2: Yeah, I mean and 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 even just the, the 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 one thing that I'm gathering, Teddy, interviewing people during this time from from different aspects, right? Whether it be coaches, players and in this case other media types, it, it, to me it's all dependent. Like my situation right here is different than you as a sports writer in a major sports market in Chicago. So what has it been like just with your profession and then obviously, you know, the craze for Bulls, Blackhawks, Cubs, White Sox, Bears, you know, having all of it right there with what people have are completely unplugged of it.
5: Absolutely. Well, one strange thing, you know, my editor called me the other day and she said, hey, uh, you're going to see your name on a company wide email in terms of they're looking for people to potentially write obits and I was like, Oh, and for people or listeners who don't exactly know what that means, obits is short for obituaries. So I was like, wow. Okay. That's uh, you know, that's something right there. Um, when you think about it, but generally speaking, like in terms of, for me, I actually relish the opportunity to try to come up with really cool, interesting story ideas that are not dependent on sports, um, you know, on live sports. So, I mean, this week it's been the three year anniversary of Northwestern's tournament run. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote a column about DePaul basketball, which is, you know, how they are still living in an alternate reality where Dave Leto, they're working on an extension for him after he had just another horrendous season where the blue demons started nine and O and then ended up last in the big East. Uh, I'm working on a story about this company called cameo, which is actually based in Chicago, where you can, find your favorite celebrity and it's usually between like $5 and you know, up to a thousand dollars and they will do like a a video shout out. So they'll, you know, cheer people up or say happy birthday or so the, the crux of the story is, you know, which Chicago celebrity sports figure personality uh, is worth the investment. If you're trying to cheer yourself up or a friend Um, I'm looking at a story about Tim Doyle, who's a broadcaster who lost a couple gigs, for being really outspoken and now is carved out a niche uh, talking about sports gambling. Um so there's really a lot of stuff, you know, one thing I might do we were we, we've done we were doing these segments when I was still doing the 18 holes with column, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah.
5: So, you know, that was I used to call that journalism's greatest scam where I play golf with, <laughs> you know, celebrities and sports figures. So, why not bring that back? I mean, <laughs> golf is going to going to be one of the only activities people are probably going to be doing in four or five six weeks if the weather's decent enough so um you know i've already played with chris collins brad underwood porter moser a lot of the coaches but like i haven't played with mike bray or their other broadcasters so i'm going to try to you know breathe life into that column again because as you know when you play golf with somebody you learn a lot about them a lot about their personalities so we're going to be without live sports for a long time i'm sure but i will really be trying to write interesting stuff uh nonetheless.
2: Really, the only thing people learn when they play golf with me is maybe they'll learn a few new words. That's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't really get too too personal in there because, uh, you know, yeah. I'm usually so mad I don't want to talk about it.
5: That's good. Well, Fred Hoiberg, uh, he's fun to play with. He's got a lot of game. Um, I saw him play in a pro-am before the BMW championship. And, like, he's a typical guy. You know, a lot of these coaches, when they're in season, they're just, you know so intense and they're so consumed with basketball it's all they think about but if you can get a guy like fred hoiberg um for four four and a half hours in june or july when they're a little relaxed maybe having a couple beers then you can really learn a lot about them.
2: i played golf with fred hoiberg's one of his twin boys in italy and that's the last time i'll ever play with a hoiberg on a golf course because i've never been so embarrassed in my life
5: was it i it mean, so was it jack
2: it was uh it was sam
5: Sam how good is no, it was Sam? Charlie
2: it was Charlie Charlie
5: oh okay yeah
2: Sam Sam actually wasn't feeling well um so yeah Charlie came with but yeah it was uh it was a disaster to say the least not for him <laughs> but, but for the rest of us um well you you mentioned a little bit about what you were working on I'm curious to know uh what the feeling is right now for you ha- not having March Madness usually today we're talking about how our brackets are in the trash and I did see your column about Northwestern hoops and how they beat Vanderbilt and You know, kind of where Northwestern's current situation is just a few short years ago, you know, a bad call away from maybe coming back to beat Gonzaga. But what's the feeling for you right now? You know, having written that column and and doing some reflecting and uh we did some reflecting earlier on the show. We had good buddy Ali Farokh Manesh who hit the big shot against Kansas in two thousand ten, uh, who's an assistant coach here. But it's just it's you know, we go to all these avenues and it's just weird not having the tournament here with us.
5: It's weird. It's so sad. Um, I always say my favorite calendar flip of the year is when you go from February to March. It just first of all, it just sounds like March 1st is going to be so much warmer than February twenty eighth. And then you just think about what's ahead. You say th- you know, so for me, I mean it starts with covering the Big Ten tournament, which is a joyous experience because the seating is so good, you're right there courtside. And the locker rooms are open so you can get all your questions answered and actually have conversations with guys instead of just, you know, asking them stuff at the podium. So that sucks. And then, um, you know, I haven't had to cover the tournament, I don't think, since 2017, you know, because in, in the Chicago area, we've, we've pretty much only had one team. It's either been zero or one. Like DePaul hasn't made it in forever. Northwestern with the one time. Illinois was going to make it this year. I think that was going to be the first time since 13. Loyola had it once. So we haven't needed multiple reporters, which is kind of good news because I I usually go to Vegas during the tournament and just consume it. So I'm more of a fan. What I was going to do today was I was going to go to um, this Rivers sportsbook. So a sportsbook finally opened in the Chicago area like two weeks ago. You know the ultimate bad timing awards. So today would have been a day to uh, maybe spend some Tribune money, play some bets, throw down some parlays, <laughs> and uh, talk to the people there about the joy of you know bringing Vegas to Chicago. But it, it's so rough. I mean, right for all of us who are huge college sports fans, these the ten days of the tournament, you know the ten actual playing days are probably the best, and then it blends right into my favorite week of the year, which is the Masters. So yeah this is uh this is a tough time for guys like you and me
2: yeah and I was gonna go there next. that's one avenue that we haven't really talked much about on this show is the golf world and you know the, the masters was willing to to break rules you know th- stuff was serious um yes. you know that 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 just doesn't happen you even we even tried to get Teddy greenstein to talk on a cell phone once down there that <laughs> didn't go particularly well but um you know what what's what's kind of the attitude right wow. now of the of the of the p g a and um usga and just kind of the attitude of of what golf is because it is a different sport than you know the close contact body contact type sports yeah i
5: think there's just hope uh that the majors will get played at some point in 2020 i would doubt it's going to happen for all four um plus this is a rider cup year as you know but I was emailing with somebody who's kind of in the know today, who predicted that all four would take place. Now, obviously, the PGA Championship, which is moved up to May and was going to be played in San Francisco, and that's not happening. Certainly in May, you know, June, uh, we were going to see the US Open at Winged Foot, and that is a coronavirus hotspot. So, you know, we're still two and a half, three months from that. But I, I can't envision that taking place. Um the Ryder cup is in Wisconsin in September. You know, there were rumors the other day that it was going to be pushed to 2021. And when I heard that, I was like, Oh my God, if they're already moving events in September off the calendar, then somebody thinks this is really even more serious than, you know, than than most of us believe, but that apparently was just a, a bad rumor. So, you know, you'd like to think that some of these golf tournaments could go on. Um, if they if you can do some without crowds it's still really good programming like if you could have you know a tournament in in let's say in may with with the top players i mean just from a standpoint of uh you know to entertain the public and sports fans and i can't imagine it would just be that dangerous if you don't have fans there are watching if it's just players caddies and media members there but you know, obviously, it's uh, it's not gonna it's not something we're really debating at this moment. I think we just have to see how bad the numbers get in the next two, three, four, five, six weeks, and get advice from the professionals. And hopefully, uh, at that point, there'll be a glimmer of hope. It sounds like the earliest the NBA is talking about is what mid to late May, mid May, mm-hmm. early June. So uh, that says something right there. I-, I just keep hoping that because golf is an outdoor sport, maybe it's going to be. Um, you know, more more prone to, to get going sooner.
2: Yeah, let's hope so. I mean the sooner we get to normalcy the better, but obviously proper precautions need to be uh need to be taken. Teddy Greenstein from the Chicago Tribune. Teddy, thanks for catching up with us, man. Killing some time and and hopefully staying busy and uh, you know, teaching the daughters a thing or two in the classroom. I know there's uh there's a lot of wisdom up there in that dome of yours and you know, it's probably, you know, a process to uh to get them to soak some of that in. So hope that's going well.
5: Do some of that, show them some uh, sports movies, and, and show them some non sports movies. I think we're going to fire up Life of Pi tonight. Okay. Did you see yeah. that one?
2: Solid, yeah. That was up for uh, Best movie, Picture a few right? years ago. Yeah.
5: Exactly. So, uh, yeah, man, we're uh, at least we have these days, if it had to happen sometime, we're at least living in the age of Prime, Netflix, Hulu, ESPN. No shortage of stuff to watch. So at least we got that going for us.
2: You got it. Teddy, thanks so much for hopping thanks. on with us, man. Stay safe.
5: Enjoyed it, man. You too.
2: <laughs> what we haven't done each and every Thursday night. But we'll start as of right now. It's one of our old favorites, backed by popular demand, 7-on-7.
0: It's summer. The Huskers are sharpening their skills with 7-on-7 drills. We're keeping Greg and Ben in shape during the offseason with some 7-on-7 of our own. Seven topics.
7: A seven nation army couldn't hold me back.
0: From sports.
3: from Manning, seven touchdown passes.
0: To pop culture.
3: I
8: never joke about my web 007.
0: It's time to go seven on seven on Sports Nightly.
8: Well, this is weird. We're, but first of all, hey, hi Josh. guys. I, I haven't been here since yesterday, so <laughs> welcoming myself to the show. Welcome Hi, back. Josh from my house which is weird this is the first time i've ever done this so good stuff how's it feel um it feels weird that's is, and is the baby this being whole thing quiet feels weird yeah he's being quiet right now he uh <laughs> wasn't earlier but right now he's good so. i love it so far so good oh boy uh jib pointed out there are a couple of things that were wrong with that open one it's not summer also it's <laughs> not greg and ben so i don't know and plus we're not going to do this every day of the week just once a week But with all that being said, we figured you guys do still need to stay in shape. So
1: losing battle,
8: losing battle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What are you, my mom?
8: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) all right. Well, let's jump in and we'll, we'll still do seven, seven topics. So we start with uh, a random guy on Twitter who posted this yesterday. So I'm quoting this. He says your birth month has to throw an alley oop to your birthday to win the game. Do you win? And so it's a bunch of NBA players uh, current and former NBA players so you have a list of of guys next to your birth month and then a a bunch of guys list next to uh, the days of the month. So uh, let's play this first uh, this way. Ben it looks like you have Magic Johnson throwing the alley oop to Steph Curry. Not sure how great that's going to be. I'm 50% there. Yeah, you you did all right with the first half, but Steph Curry, I don't know if he's going to throw it down. Uh, Nate, you have Allen Iverson to Kevin Durant. That's a little bit better, I think. That's good, yeah.
3: Oh, yes, yes. I like my chances.
8: (laughs) Not bad. Uh, Tim, you also have Allen Iverson. You're throwing this one to Muggsy Bogues. I mean, Muggsy (laughs) Bogues has hops, but uh, Uh, I don't know if he's going to get up there. (laughs) I don't know if
1: that's going to work. I think I probably have as good a chance as Muggsy to try and slam that thing, but we'll see.
8: Yeah, and I think mine might be the worst. I have Dwayne Wade throwing it to Isaiah Thomas. Oh no. Slide. Yeah. I sent you guys the list. What what combination uh, do you think would you actually want? Not going off your birthday, but what which combination do you think is actually the best if you needed to win an NBA game?
2: Give me give me my first half. Give me Magic Johnson to Zion Williamson. Give me that. Ooh. That. I love that.
3: Uh, I'll go uh, Steve Nash throwing it and MJ putting it down. Yep. Yeah. I feel pretty good about that. Steve Nash is a uh, is pretty legit passer, and Michael speaks for himself.
8: Greatest therapist. I like it. There you go.
1: All right, Tim. shall we? Number two, uh, Simba is a dog from Florida. He's a canary mastiff who went missing over two months ago. However, a woman named Chris Gibson noticed Simba and was able to give him a snack and take him to an animal clinic and identified him because he had a microchip. The catch, Gibson lives in Michigan, which is over 1,400 oh. miles away from wow. Florida. Gives you have a map handy. So uh, with that in mind, what's the furthest distance you could travel on foot with no one knowing where you are?
2: <laughs> like, before, before I just, like... <laughs> Collapsed or before? How far could I get before someone's like, "Hey, where's Ben?"
1: <laughs> just, just leave your front yard and like, "Oh no, Ben's loose." <laughs> I just get felt him. like running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's a, it's a puzzle. I mean, fourteen hundred miles is quite a distance.
2: Yeah, I'm not could sure you how make fourteen hundred
8: and... miles on foot without stopping, no like without any money in your pocket? No, uh, and I could
2: probably make it to like Grand Island, and then I'd then I'd have enough. That I've had I've had enough, especially on a day like today when it was raining. Oof, yeah, no, no chance. Way. Are you sure yeah, like- Simba didn't run into Timon and Pumbaa in Michigan? <laughs> <laughs> or can we confirm the lady's name that found him? Yes.
3: He, he he clearly ran past where the sunlight hit. He ran into the <laughs> dark part of the uh, of the land. Uh, I would say. I don't know that I could make it out of Douglas County. So, like, if I started walking from my house, I, uh, you know, about about the Douglas Sarpy line, I'd tap myself out. That would be enough for me.
8: Yeah. And the other I thing don't we have to. Him.
2: Oh, sorry, Josh. The other thing
8: to no, consider I say here I don't blame too him is for...
2: putting on like, are you have running shoes on? Do you have comfy socks yeah. on? Do you have their appropriate clothing on? Like, I don't know. What were you gonna say, yeah. Josh?
8: I was going to say, I don't blame him for leaving Florida at all, but why did he go to Michigan, you know? <laughs> yeah, like There's yeah. a lot of other places that he could have headed.
2: Well, and imagine, imagine a dog, too. Like, is he taking the interstate? Like, like
1: Hitching rides, you know? Literally Hitchhiking back, it.
2: backwoods all the way to Michigan? I mean, at some point, somebody had to have driven by, walked by. I don't know. That's, 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 yeah. ins- that's How
1: long did it take miss- a dog to go from Florida to Michigan? That's my question. Could
8: have yeah, probably I taken a was, couple months. He had been missing over two months, yeah. so I think oh, that, God, so yeah, that's yeah, right. that's about right. I, I'm just surprised that yeah nobody else had had seen seen him and been able to to get him to you know come you know come into him. So I don't know. It's weird. Definitely. All right. Let's let's move on to topic number three here, and uh, this one comes from Australia, where a man named Joseph Korberl set the world record for the longest time spent submerged in ice. And the time, two hours, eight minutes, and 47 seconds. And he set the world record by quite a bit. It was the previous world record was under two hours, so he went well over that. So the question to you guys is, how long would you guys last submerged in ice? Not long. (laughs) Ice ice baths were torture for me. Like,
2: I don't... Uh, Not ooh, two hours. Not two hours at all. I mean, maybe two minutes.
3: (laughs) That's that's probably all I could get. Body fully submerged. So, like, my head's underwater and everything.
8: No, not your head. Everything up to your shoulders. Yeah. Still not ideal.
3: (laughs) Uh Nope. (laughs) Nope. Yeah, I I'm saying maybe two minutes. I I I think I could get two minutes, but man, oh man, I
8: wouldn't like a second of
1: it. I mean, talk about a world record no one would want to have. It's like congratulations, you like probably gave yourself oh. hypothermia. Like I don't. What yeah. No we, what if we
8: changed it up and said that money's on the line here? Like if if we right. put, you know, you start throwing out there maybe a couple thousand dollars if you stay in for five minutes and. Well, is there, up to- is there
1: permanent medical damage you can get from being submerged in ice that long? I mean, I feel like your oh, sure. blood would start to freeze yeah. at a certain point.
7: I'm I mean, guessing you gotta so. have I'm sure it's body. not
2: healthy.
3: No. Yeah. No, uh, no. I, I, I think, like, five minutes with money on the line, maybe. And even then, there'd have to be a pretty good sum on the line.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. I don't know.
2: Tough deal there. Yeah. Different breed.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Moving right along to number four. A New Mexico woman stole a car last week and when confronted by a police officer, she claimed to be Beyonce. Fingerprints, though, proved otherwise. That begs the question, what celebrity do you think a police officer would believe if you claimed to be them? Assuming they don't want to check ID.
2: (laughs) Not a celebrity, (laughs) but that Purdue basketball player is is my doppelganger, (laughs) I guess. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Uh... Bordeaux or whatever. So I don't really look like I don't really look like any other celebrity.
3: Yeah, I'm kind of struggling here too. I mean, it, it would have to be a bigger guy, blonde. I I don't think I could sell Eric Stone Street. That might be <laughs> at I don't think least you're too far off. There. No, yeah. I think like, I think you could I work, I feel like that would be my best shot right there. Eric Stone Street <laughs> off modern family and happily Minority owner of the Kansas City Royals.
2: Yes.
1: There you you have it. If I still had curly hair, I think I could do John C. Riley. I think that's my... Ah, (laughs)
2: Yeah, perfect. (laughs)
8: You're not far off there. There you go. That's about it. Love it. All right, we switch gears here and we go to a topic that comes uh, late last month when an 8-foot-long beehive was found in the ceiling of an apartment in Richmond, Virginia animal control removed the beehive and said there was 80 to 100 pounds of honey produced from it although only 15 to 20 pounds of that was able to be salvaged so what's the strangest thing that you've ever found left from a previous owner or tenant of a place of residence apartment or house or whatever
2: man that's a great question
8: mm. uh, ben i have one we, we uh, found a christmas tree uh, in yeah apartment that we lived in that's right we kept it <laughs> we kept it I, you just I, well and even after we I, I, we moved out of that apartment, I kept it for a couple of years after that. I don't yeah, still we have it. Yeah, we kept it. Or no, actually, we might still have it. I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't think so. but I forgot about that. We kept
2: it. Yeah. Uh, Man. Uh,
3: all right. Uh, the last place that I lived at before moving up here to Omaha, in the garage, there was just a random sink. So that would probably <laughs> oh. be it. But if we expand this to hotel rooms, stayed in. There you can, go. can we do that? Can I get a yes, ruling sure. from the commission? Absolutely. Okay. So <laughs> um, I think it was our first trip to Purdue. Um, oh, with, yeah. With football. And so we check into our hotel. And, and I, it was the same place we stayed at. The, the converted old holodome with the pool in the middle and all that stuff. And i get into our room and i close the bathroom door to see a woman's bathing suit hanging back there you know just in case i needed one i suppose there you go perfect I,
2: i remember that too i remember i remember that happening um man that's so funny the christmas tree i forgot all about that good grief
8: good stuff oh
1: man okay All right, number six, uh, according to a tweet from ESPN's Adam Schefter this morning, quote, well, should I do the voice? Since words surfaced that... I can't do it. I can't do it, right? (laughs) What was the Caliendo one? Um, Since words surfaced that Tom Brady's expected to land in Tampa... Hold on, I'm starting to tear up a little bit. uh, An unexpected high number of players have reached out to the Buccaneers to let them know they want to join the former Patriots QB there. So if you could play with any current professional player in any league, who would it be? Me personally? You personally. You personally. Kemba Walker.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow. Duh. He's not yeah, going to call you ch- back, Ben. Yes, he is. <laughs> oh, yes, he
2: is. I See, we had the question earlier, how far would you walk? I would walk to Boston <laughs> to hang
1: out with Kemba Walker. <laughs> you and Simba the massive just <laughs> plodding along.
2: <laughs> yeah. okay, let's be honest. He would be freaked out if he knew how much I loved him. Like,
1: <laughs> explain to me this. I know you're obsessed with Kemba, but explain to me where this came from. It's just like so random. I don't understand.
2: So, like growing up, I was a big Yukon Huskies basketball fan. Oh yikes! And uh, <laughs> and it really Kemba, a little bit the Shabazz Napier, but it kind of stopped when I got to Nebraska. It, you know, it kind of stopped after high school. But Kemba was really the last. Kemba's class was really the last batch that like I really loved. And he's just a freaking baller, Tim. Like, yeah.
1: all right, both. Well, there you have it. Just,
2: I mean, it's kind of <laughs> like you and Colton Wong. You just can't explain it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can well, explain you know- it. You, you uh, know
3: why all these guys want to play with Brady. They know they're not going to have to run very far downfield <laughs> before they get the football because he can't no. throw it any farther.
1: <laughs> well, they're going to win a championship is what's going to happen. I mean, yeah. Peyton like Manning was basically year? throwing it underhanded at the end of his career, so Tom is kind of getting close to that. So it'll, it'll be hey about Tim, the same.
2: How does it feel yeah. to have Tom Brady's last pass as a Patriot go for a pick six?
1: <laughs> Look, yep. actually, as Tony Romo pointed out, that actually – was the only chance they, they might have even had a prayer? Because if if that had just been incomplete, then
2: well, if Tony Romo said it, yeah. then it must be. True. It's true. I I hey, believe. It's Tony Romo. the question. I got. Is it NFL? Was that where it was supposed to be? What NFL? It, it no, it could be anyone.
8: Anything. It be anything.
3: Okay. Any no, professional. Kendall's
2: good. There you okay. Go. Yeah. You I'll,
3: I'll go with Mike Trout batting batting behind me because I'll I'll definitely <laughs> see a pitch that I can hit. Absolutely, <laughs> I can. I, I I can gear it up to ninety five. Yeah, sure, but. Yeah, give Want me it. give me Mike Trout hitting behind me. That would be that would be the best teammate I could get.
2: I was going to say, give Perfect. me Zion Williamson. I can lob the ball oh. up on the rim. Like I can at there least get the
1: stat column
8: in it with a assist or two. Yeah, you, you don't need Magic Johnson throwing it up to Zion. No. Anybody can do hey. it.
1: Not Muggsy. All He's right. not getting that either.
8: We wrap up our first seven on seven of the year uh, with a story from late February. An LSU college student broke into Tiger Stadium, and he rode. Around on an ATV on the field, <laughs> there was a new oh. drainage system being installed at the time, so about eight thousand dollars worth of damage was done. Uh, but with that being said, if there, if you could get onto a field for a night, what stadium, field, arena, and it can be college or professional, would you want to have for yourself all mm, all through the what night? What
2: a great question! And you're Maybe not going to get in trouble first, for this. You I don't have think. to. You
3: don't have to. Uh, I, I need some clarification here too. So. Is it confined only to the playing surface? I, I no, mean, do get, I get it, the, entire the entire run stadium. of the stadium? No, Coffin you get the entire stadium, stadium. So I can swim in the fountains.
8: Coffin <laughs> yes, Stadium. You can do whatever you the want, wherever porch. you want within the confines yes. of the stadium. Yep. I am swimming in the fountains, baby.
2: I'm going to Austin Perfect. Orman this thing because I can. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> Fenway Park, just because I've never been there, and I would want just unlimited time to walk around in the stadium, walk in the – Sit in the dugouts, walk in the clubhouses, get up on the on the green monster, um, you know, just take all of that in. Um, I think that would be awesome. But one that I just really want to experience and, and it really just strictly the plank surface would be the Rose Bowl. Just get me on that Ooh. just get me on that carpet on the fir- on the first of January. That's just all I want nice. in life. My- Fair Love it. Perfect. Okay, That's boys. It. Awesome. That was fun. Um Good stuff Tossed there, yeah. around. Yeah, I loved it. I can't wait for uh, next week's edition of 7 on 7. Thanks to Josh Hilkeman for hopping on with us. Thanks to Tim for putting that together as well. You guys rocked it as always.
1: No sports on this weekend, but we've got you covered.
0: I know everything about film. I've seen over 240 of them.
1: Time now for Sports Nightly Clicks
0: Picks.
3: And action!
1: Here we go, baby. What are
2: we watching? What should you watch? Reviews. Of things we've watched. Nate Rohr with me. Josh Hilken with me. Tim Curran with me. Boys, I just watched Semi-Pro for the life of me. I don't know why this great cinematic film is not being talked about more. Most underrated Will Ferrell movie ever. That being said, I just wrapped up The Circle with my wife, Netflix Original. Highly, highly suggest it. They're much like us, living in isolation, living in quarantine. It's the perfect show to watch and perfect way to kill a weekend.
3: All right. Uh, I am currently watching Mad Men on Netflix, and I'm sure a lot of you out there have watched it, but my schedule used to be jammed with sporting events. Now it's not, but really enjoying it. I'm about midway through season three and just enjoying Don Draper's Web of Lies. Uh, Two movies that I'm hoping to track down this weekend, and they're on Amazon Prime, among other services. I missed them in the theaters, but they sound great, and that would be Bombshell and then also Uncut Gems, Adam Sandler, actually in a serious movie. Who knew?
8: It's awesome. Josh, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. And uh, we've actually had plenty of time to watch stuff uh, since the baby was born. So there's plenty on my list. Watched uh, stuff that I would that I've watched and would recommend. Uh, we finished watching The Good Place on TV. Uh, we also watched uh, A Typical, and then a, uh, I have always loved Survivor, so I watched the latest season of that as well. Some stuff that I watched that I would not recommend uh, a couple of. Uh, um, reality tv shows flirty dancing and love is blind those are not good i was kind of forced <laughs> into that uh and then uh we'll watch uh, the blacklist is coming back tomorrow they yes. had a long break from december so uh, looking forward to that starting up again all tomorrow all right me
1: wrap it up i'll be quick watch fleabag right now it's on amazon prime it's one of the most brilliant and hilarious tv shows i've seen in a long long time it's uh only what two seasons, six episodes each it's a dark british comedy it's great please please watch fleabag Okay, any he, any
2: surprise that Tim's show recommendation is called Fleabag? I think not. No coincidence <laughs> Whatever, man. On this show, <laughs> thanks Tim, appreciate it. Thanks to Josh, thanks to my thanks to Nate as well for contributing to Sports Nightly <laughs> Flix picks. Went about how I thought it would. Thanks to Teddy Greenstein for joining us this hour as well. Hope you enjoyed Seven on Seven. We got more Sports Nightly coming up.